There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello and welcome to 47 Survivors on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast on the ABC TV series The Crossing. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and tonight we'll be discussing episode four of season one of The Crossing. We're missing Terry tonight. We're very sad. Yes. Because Terry is incredibly busy because he is producing, or not producing, but he's in a play of his own. So he's out there being entertainment as opposed to just talking about entertainment. Exactly. So. And it's a. Awesome. Cat on a hot tin roof, too, so. Awesome, Terry. Yes. Unfortunately, we don't have Terry with us today, but we will do our best to entertain you ourselves. (laughs) So, Steve, let us entertain with the numbers. You got some ratings news for us. Uh, Yes, I do. Episode four brought in a 0.7 and three share in adults 18 to 49 with 4.24 million viewers. You kind of go, oh, don't go down much further, but... We did get the live plus seven days for the premiere, episode one. It tied for 16th in adults 18 to 49 adults gain going from 0.9 to 1.6 for an increase of 0.7, which tied it for 19th in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain, increasing by 78%. It was 15th in viewers total gain going from 5.399 5.399 to 8.374 million viewers for an increase of 2.975 million viewers, which caused it to be tied for 20th in viewer percentage gain, increasing by 55%. Now, it's kind of weird because this was for the premiere, which they had the premiere online, too, on their website right. for the first week or a week like beforehand. Beforehand, so, yes. I don't even get- know how they're counting all these numbers because... <laughs> Are they even counting everybody who watched that week before? I believe they probably are. Now, Nielsen might not, so they may not show up in the Nielsen ratings. Okay. But they are counting, though. The networks are very well aware of how many hits and what people are watching online. Believe me, they are. (laughs) Uh, And they did the same, actually, for episode two. Yes. I think we were talking about that. They had it on their website early, and I think they had it on Hulu early, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. This is weird with these numbers this time because that's really confusing me. Yeah. But <laughs> I know that we found out that even if you're DVRing it, if you're watching it, it's counting for the, the same day. Right. So, awesome, these numbers. I don't think they're bad numbers at all. No, not at all. 8.374 in right? seven days. That's pretty good. And these are getting like pretty intense. Yeah. So I have a feeling the numbers are going to go up. At least we're hoping so. Yes. I think the live plus seven after what happened in this episode will be very large. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about episode four, The Face of Oblivion. Desperate to rescue his son Oliver from the potential lethal situation, Jude reaches out to Emma with a request that could endanger the lives of everyone at the camp. Meanwhile, Hannah's secret past comes to life. Sophie discovers something unexpected in Leah's blood work, and Paul discloses a shocking piece of information about an earlier migration. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're being very succinct about it. So, I don't even know. Where should we start? Because there was just so much happening. It's like, wow. Well, I guess we'll start with the locals and work our way through it. <laughs> All right. And I do want to say thank you for everybody who is tweeting with us. I had started tweeting on 47 Survivors, and then I realized Steve was, and so I figured as not to confuse everybody, <laughs> I went back. Steve and I have very different tweeting you know, yes, methodologies. styles. Yeah, so I went over to Fangirl Zone and was tweeting some of them, and you guys were just answering both of us, and it was amazing. Some yes. of the stuff that you were cracking me up. <laughs> because, and of course, we'll get to it, but I was, 
at one point talking about Marshall. And I'm like, yeah. you just sound lovelorn. And then somebody, uh, oh my gosh, I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to find it really quick. It was the best reply I think I've gotten for a tweet because I actually snorted because yeah. I laughed about it. <laughs> and oh my gosh, you guys, you're great. Cause, uh, yes, this is a, a, some amazing people. It was. It's Winter it Lake really are. is the one who replied. Yeah, I'm like, you sound lovelorn, Marshall. It's like, can you please get my time traveling love interest out of the government detainment camp when you actually say it out loud? Yeah, yeah, sound a little crazy. Thank you, uh-huh. but you guys are great. And yeah, that was just some of the, some of the stuff. I'm telling you, I appreciate you guys tweeting with us because sometimes when something's as tense as this episode was, you just need that like random thought that comes through on Twitter. So right, thank you all. So now that I've said all that, I will continue to tweet from Fangirl Zone when I'm able to watch live, and Steve will take 47 <laughs> Survivors as not to confuse you all. Yeah. And uh, let's get to the locals. Let's talk about Sheriff Jude, shall we? All right. Oh, okay. So mm, I don't even know where to start with him. Seriously. Like, Reese was pissing him off. <laughs> and that's saying it nicely. Right. Well, I guess what he figured is his son's got the phone. He's got a tracker on it. So he had his GPS on the phone as he gets into the SUV and immediately sees where Jude is. So he's just hauling to catch up with him. Right. And, of course, (laughs) Reese calls and basically says, your son for my daughter. And, okay, I get that. I do. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, she's got to know that he was not part of what went down with the guys coming crashing in with the helicopters, seeing as he got gassed. And you she would did think, see that. but yeah, but uh, she's in a new place, a new world. No, I, I don't. I can't see that she would have to buy that he didn't have anything to do with it yet. I don't know, but she's yeah. My she's nerves. just she's not trusting anybody, and that's been all been one of the themes of the entire season so far is don't trust anybody. That's true because you never know who's going to turn, who's doing what, and, right? And again, understand that point. But then all of a sudden, when he's like, "You know what I used to do? I wasn't always a small town sheriff. No, I was part of the fugitive apprehension team, and we had the highest clear rating ever." So basically, I will find you. He went Liam Neeson right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely he did. <laughs> and I'm not There's sure no if that place shook her you up. Can... No. You don't think so? Not even a little bit? No. See, I was feeling like maybe she underestimated him and because she's so used to what she dealt with in the future that like nobody ever talks back. Well, that's, that could be possible. But she also should have looked at it as, okay... Yes, I will do anything to get my daughter back. He will do anything to get his son back. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Yeah. And I love it when he ends up going to the camp, but they're like, you're not supposed to be here. And that smug guard at the front. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get in your car and leave. Get in your car and leave. It's like, dude, really? In the history of ever, has that worked? Okay. Right. And as soon as he turns around... Oh. Jude's on the gas and going through. <laughs> and you know what? He deserved it because the guy turns around like this local, whatever. Okay, right. Yeah. You're lucky you didn't get run over. Yeah. And of course, Emma is at the next stop because at least they're smart enough to have multiple checkpoints. Right. And she's like, all right, all right, all right. Chill out. What's going on? Yeah. And he tells her that Reese has got his son and she's surprised. I don't know I thought- why. Yeah, I don't either. It's like, oh, she's still alive? Right. I guess she assumed that because they had the the black ops that they killed her, but I guess she doesn't know enough about Apex to know that they're pretty badass. I think at this point she's starting to realize, like, she really is not in the loop of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, he's like, listen, I need to get the kid out of here so I can get my kid back. And she's trying to tell him, all right, uh, not going to work. Right. We'll explain in a little bit, but probably not happening. It's like, all right, things are going to go bad really fast is what I was feeling like. Right. 
All right. And, well, I feel like we have to talk about Reese now, too. Yes. Because it's uh, kind of hard. Their stories are yes. tied together. They are really tied together. Like you were saying, Reese being super mama bear, she wants her kid, of course, and we understand that. But from what we've seen in the past, and she knows that she treated her daughter. Right. But I don't know. Does she think that she's totally cured at this point? No. Okay. So then. No, I think that's why she is so desperate to see her because she knows. I mean, she didn't have a shocked look when Jude tells her that she's sick. Right. She knows she's sick, and that's why she's so desperate to get to her to save her. But then she also knows if she's sick and she's around any people that she can infect them and basically kill, like, everybody around her. Right. And that's why she didn't. She made the agreement to work with Sophie to try to get her healed up enough to then work on a cure. I don't know. This is crazy. Now, I know we skipped ahead. We're sorry. I'm sorry. But... I'm getting to where Jude and Reese are finally face-to-face and, and explaining this. And, yes, we ended up having the doctor who had to step in and be like, listen, we can't take the kid out. Everybody could die. And Jude at least is smart enough to be like, all right, I will not infect everybody. Right. But we need to talk to her. She's not going to believe me. And, yeah. and, honestly, I was thinking Reese wasn't going to believe them. I mean, she knew they that Leah was sick, but, like, she seemed like they were lying to her at first until... Sophie shows Sophie her, like, a live feed. Yeah, the the cell phone pic. So, was it just a picture? I didn't know if it was, like, somehow, like, into the video feed or something. No, I think it was just oh, a picture. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, I don't know, because I felt like Reese should know that this could have happened and should have known that, yeah, your kid could basically kill all the survivors that came back hiding out from you guys, and not just that, all the people who were there helping them keeping them hostage, however you want to look at it. Right. It's kind of both. Yeah, I mean, we could prevent the apex from ever existing by wiping out the population with this disease. Right. Which would be bad. Yeah. Because there's a paradox <laughs> well, for Well, monkeys. You. Yeah. She would be the last person on Earth. Oh, man. And how weird is it, though, too, that, like, she's super serious here, but earlier when she's kind of... Not captured Oliver, but is taking him around doing stuff. And Oliver's really calm. And she's just like, okay, I'm just going to hang out with this kid and be totally normal mom. Right. Awkward, but normal mom. <laughs> well, if you call uh, forgetting fishing poles and then taking. <laughs> yeah, beating the, the crap out of a guy. <laughs> Which was funny because I noticed it in the background. Yes, like, that was so over, great. She's like, uh, I, need, I need your rod. And, of course, the guy's going to be a smart-ass. And, you yeah. know what? Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. Should have been like, lady, we're fishing here. Something, not just Joe Jackass that he was. Right. So, I'm not sorry about that at all. But, but then you, when you just see his buddy, like, carrying him and he, him limping, it's like, hmm, bet you won't do that again, will you? <laughs> she kind of made Oliver just really... Comfortable, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he didn't feel like he was being held captive. He felt like this was a friend of his dad's who was watching him while his dad was having to work. And I thought that said a lot about Reese's character. Right. And a lot of people were talking about that on Twitter. They're like, okay, for somebody who's supposed to have no emotions and not care, even for somebody that she didn't form a bond with, like right. a kid, she sure seemed to be totally fine with it, with taking care of Oliver and making him comfortable. So that was kind of weird, which makes me wonder if she was like an anomaly as an apex. Absolutely. Yes. I, uh, a couple of my good friends, uh, Mike and Dave do a uh, podcast and they actually talked to the executive producers about this episode. And that was one of the questions they asked was, you know, was Reese actually anomaly because she's the only one that has empathy. And they said yes. So maybe she's the next level of evolution. Yeah, the next evolution, yeah. right? Where they realized, oh, it's going to come back around, right? Hmm. There's an interesting thought. Yes. Uh, now again, surprising because Jude's like, "Where's my son? I've given you the information. We're going to take care of your kid. This doctor is going to help create something so we can stabilize her and move her." And Reese is finally okay with it. 
And next thing we know, Jude's speeding off and he like bursts into his house and Oliver's just chilling on the couch. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay. And then of course the jump that Oliver takes, that, that was kind of funny. Yeah. But I can see, I can understand. It's like, okay, she was kind of going out of her way. She didn't seem to know what she was doing. All right. Dan, that's your girlfriend, isn't it? I was waiting for him to be like, what? No. A hundred times no. But he just kind of let him think that. Now, do you, you think again, it was mostly because he's afraid that Reese is going to come back in the picture and it's the easiest way to explain her? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, he's he can't really go into trying to explain who Reese is to his son. Not right now. Now, if somehow he sees her jumping buildings or something, then then yeah, he's he's gonna have to sit him down and say, uh, "This is what's happening, son." Right. It's like, but uh, hopefully that won't happen. Yeah, you don't want him to be like scratching his head, going, "Dad, there is something seriously weird about her." Yeah. So right now, I think it's all good. Yeah, well, no, he he still says, I think you can do better. Well, that's true, because she forgot <laughs> the polls. Yeah, didn't know they needed polls. <laughs> it's like, really, if that's your biggest complaint. Yeah. She can steal a car real easy, though, get you around. So. Yeah. At least you won't be walking, kid. Look at it that way. But, I don't know. I, I think the way they kind of weave their stories together, that, yes, we're going to have a whole lot more of the three of them, like, really ending up i don't know if i want to say saving the day or just working together to help the other survivors right all right so who else do we have as a local because we're kind of like all over the place well of course we get a brief second of deputy nestor i'm still standing by what i said last episode for now right because he has to deal with uh, marshall and Marshall comes in and tells him he knows where the camp is, and he knows where they're holding the people, and he's got to get one of them out. <laughs> and Marshall's just not buying any of it. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I need to get my time-traveling girlfriend out. Yeah, crazy person. <laughs> so, that was so good. Let's talk about Marshall. Marshall and his friend. Yeah. Ah, oh, Marshall. He got super obsessed. Yeah. It's like, Wow. What caused this? Right. It's like, what is going on? Why is he so obsessed? And even his buddy's like, uh, do you remember last time you hooked up with the tourist? He's like, she's not a tourist. And then suddenly, I think she's one of the survivors. And his buddy got all like, oh, wow, it could be this, 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 this. Oh, maybe they're here. Oh, I heard this. You know, and giving him all this information. So it's like, okay, he's super excited about it. And then next thing you know, they're talking about it, like, out on a bar like an outside bar and his buddy's like you need to leave it alone it's like what and he walks away and then comes back okay wait maybe this dude like you are all over the place (laughs) you already know that your buddy is kind of like let's talk about everything and find a way to figure out how to get this girl out i only need to get her out screw the rest of them but right first of all that's bad second your buddy's like yeah let's do it no don't do it well here's where it could be well here's an idea like Oh, my God. I don't think you're helping. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you're just throwing everything at the wall and hope that something will stick. And that Marshall right. will be like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, that was so crazy. And then there was some talk online that somebody is like, oh, okay, how does this guy afford this crazy big drone? I didn't think drones were that expensive. Like some of the cheaper ones. Like, yeah. The right. Ones. Yeah. But him and his buddy decide, all right, we're going to fly this drone over the camp. And get this cell phone to Hannah with her name on it. Because obviously, nobody else will see this. Right. Nobody <laughs> else will hear this. And and nobody else will grab the cell phone. Right. Am I the only one that had the WTF look on their face? No, not at all. Ay, ay, ay. Seriously, Marshall. Well, even his buddy's like, whoa, dude, we have a bogey incoming. Which is interesting <laughs> that it was a hawk. Because I was reading something about this before. That this, they actually train like hawks to do this. I thought it was hawks. It could be, it has to be a hawk. Yeah. It wouldn't be yeah a hawk or an eagle, yeah. something like that. To take out drones. And it was like, and it was so weird that they actually did that here. Right. And I'm wondering. But you would have thought that one of the soldiers would have heard it and shot it down. Right. Cause it wasn't quiet. No, they aren't quiet. They make noise. Right. And with as many that are around there, 
as soon as it got near the camp, it would have been shot down, not over the cabins. Well, I mean, obviously, these guards are not taking their position here very seriously. Right. So That is very true. So who knows how close they were able to get exactly to let the drone go first? Because we see that there's no trespassing sign, but we don't have any idea. They could be just like a couple yards out for all we know. Right. So maybe that's why they were able to get it in there so quickly. But of course, the cell phone falls. Now, this is Because funny. of the bird. This is also <laughs> funny. Because if it was like an old cell phone, I could see it being like totally fine. But right. it's yeah, a newer a new phone from that from high that, up. No, no way. <laughs> I don't know. It definitely wasn't an iPhone. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> it would have shattered in a million pieces. But not saying it's a droid, but I'm not saying it's not. Maybe if it was an old Razor, those right. things, or the yeah. Nokia, those things could have like held on for everything. An old blueberry <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Because I've dropped my phone several times. Thankfully, nothing's happened. But I get worried. Every time I do, it's like, oh, crap. But yeah, that that fell pretty far. And then we just see boots that it falls, happens to fall by. It's a great. Right. That's not going to end up where it belongs. <laughs> I was worried. But yeah. with everything that was kind of happening, maybe the guards actually were too busy. Because for all we know, this could have been happening at the same time that Jude ended up busting through the front. We don't know. Right. Maybe all this was simultaneous. And that's why they were a little busy. That uh, could be. I'm going to go with that. That's the best explanation I got. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, let's talk Now, about Dr. Sophie yes. Forbin just surprised the living bejesus out of me because she stepped up big time. She did. And it was like, wow. She's you have no idea out. who these people are or what, but you're willing to help the sheriff get his son back and try to help. Leah get well, and fortunately, she you know she knows that Reese is apex, but she doesn't realize what that really means yet. But not freaked out at all. No, even when Jude's like, "Here, let me catch you up." Yeah, she's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> they're from the future and the distant yeah. future. Yeah, she's like, "No biggie." All right, gotcha. And I love it because even Emma was like, "What? What? How are you so cool with this?" Right. Kind of looked at her like, this is impressive, but all right, let's keep going then. Yeah. You'd expect the Homeland Security agents to be able to take it kind of under in stride and, and even to a certain extent, Jude, but to have a virologist be able to just accept it and go with it, do the right thing is surprising and great. And I was going, yes, go, Georgina, go. <laughs> and even... When, you know, Reese is a little upset later and she's like, listen, there's like five people on the whole globe that can do this. So either we work on this or you call one of them. Right. Your daughter may not have time. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay then. I'm glad she was able to step up and get Reese to listen. And uh, I'm impressed. Yes. What a great start for uh, this character. That's for sure. All right. So let's talk about Emma. She had a lot happening. All right. Yeah, she sure does. Well, like we said, she has to deal with Jude breaking through the <laughs> roadblock. Yeah, which is funny. And, of course, was surprised that Reese was still alive, which, I mean, I guess she really hasn't seen Reese in action like Jude has. So I guess she doesn't quite completely understand what an apex is. I'm sure her boss isn't going to tell her. <laughs> yeah, right, because he's withholding so much information. Yeah, and of course we see the jack wagon that told Jude to turn around gets approached by Paul. I wasn't 100% sure if that was the same guy. It was. Okay. And he takes the picture to Emma and tells him that, yes, this lady, the guy tells tells me this lady's got more money than is imaginable and she'll get him out of there. So Emma goes and sits down and figures, well, I sure the hell can't go to Lindauer for anything because of all the data disappearing. So, but she I'm almost going, did. Yeah, she thought about it real hard and came real close to it. Right. 
Thank God she, she didn't. might still be a, yeah, well, she might not have gotten shot. Well, I don't know. He might have shot her himself. Yeah, that's true, too. But she would have but never, she, we would have never gotten the information as to who the woman is. Right. So we as and the she, fans are happy that she didn't trust him. Yeah. <laughs> so we get some information, move the story along. Yes. So she calls an off-network paver in for a facial recognition on the drawing. And sure enough, whoever it was builds her a nice little file with an address and everything. So she heads there and knocks on the door and lady comes out and she goes, you know who this is? And she, oh, that's my husband. Right. And when she's like all emotional and like everything that she was portraying. Right. I was like, oh, oh, my God. Maybe she's going to tell some real information. And then the story that we get, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> He's crazy. He went and got involved in a cult and left. And they believe that we should be living a better, a better life. And it's just like, oh, man, they were prepared for this. Right. Like, she had this story, and I was wondering how long she's had this, like, prepared. Oh, I'm thinking from day one. Huh. Interesting. Just in case somebody ever came around. found out that they came back that, and found information that would help them come back. Oh, man. And, and then, of course, Emma wants to, some information on this cult, so... Yeah, because she lady, laid it on thick. Oh, yes, she did. And, of course, that was one thing Emma could use to try to get her to blow her story. Because Emma wasn't buying it. See, I was honestly thinking she was. Yeah, I don't think she was. Because okay. I thought, up until she got up and looked at the pictures, that she's like, I knew this was too good to be true, that these people were from the future, and maybe we had information. You know, I thought Emma was just like, Really just taking the whole thing like, oh, I can't believe I fell for it. Yeah, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I honestly well, believe that that was happening until she no. got up and looked at the pictures. Right. And that, and as soon as the lady left the room, she was up. Mm -hmm. And she was pulling a molder. Right. She was walking around, checking stuff out. And sure enough, she sees the picture and Lindauer's in it. And that's when I thought she was like, oh, shit, something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, and of course, all of a sudden she's bleeding. Yeah, as she is shot in the back. And, yeah, Emma's just, like, touches, like, I don't know if it came right through her chest or the side, but, she, like, there's blood. She looks at it, and she turns around and collapses, and she's like, I'm so screwed. I didn't yeah. tell anybody I was here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I was surprised that that happened. Oh, absolutely. What a great twist to end the episode on. You know, how the hell is she going to survive this? And and get out of there and And you everything. and I talked about this yesterday then, like after the, the show. Right. That this woman has to be the one that we've seen in previous episodes or heard in the previous episode. Yes, absolutely. This is Eve. There is no doubt in my mind this is Lindauer's boss. Which was part of the original migration. Yes. And... I'm guessing this really is Paul's wife, though. Right. But she's been in here so long that either she didn't believe he was coming or... Oh, I'm sure she didn't expect him to show, but just in case, I'm going to be ready. Okay. Because, yeah, I we don't know enough about Paul yet to know if she had told him what they were doing, and so... He was in so much in love with her that he would do anything to follow her, to get back to her, or what? Well, it was weird when Paul was trying to like, draw the picture. He's like, I can't remember everything. And he asked one of the other people, I don't know if it was Homeland Security or just another survivor. No, it was one of the other survivors that was sitting there drawing landscape. And he asked if she if she could draw a face if he gave her pretty much... The major points. Which was weird, because I'm like, how does he not remember what his wife looks like? And then, so th this this story is just, like, weaving really strange to me. With right, those well, two, it with wasn't those that two. he really, right, he, he didn't really, I don't think it was that he didn't remember what she looked like. It was, he was drawing two, 
So apparently he knows something about art. And I think by telling the woman that, yes, he can give her these points about her face, that that's kind of the beginning information you get when you start drawing faces. Okay. Because that picture ended out, ended up turning out just looking absolutely like her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And at first I thought it might have been his mom, but then no, it couldn't have been his mom unless she was one of the first group. That's what I was thinking, that it was more like his mother, somebody he couldn't really remember. Right. That's why I was just like, how do you not remember your wife? But he never said that. She's the one who said it. Right. And just because they were in the first group and it they said longer than you may know, they're still aging. Right. So they had to be adults when they came over. So, yeah, they probably were 20s, maybe 30s, and now they're in their 50s and 60s. So, yeah, they could be here 30, 40 years. I now... I'll be shocked if it's any longer than that. I guess we'll find out eventually. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Hannah. Cause, yeah. Because Hannah somehow managed to get a bunch of butter knives. Right. And I don't know what cabin she's hiding out in, because it wasn't her cabin. No, it wasn't hers. It was a large one that had a lot of bunk beds in it, which, yeah, they probably aren't using that cabin. Everybody's kind of got their own individual cabins. Oh, see, I... And the main, that large bunk area is probably not being used, so that's why she thought she could get in there and not be noticed and be able to do what she wanted to do. Okay. See, that's what I wasn't sure if she was, like, hiding in somebody else's cabin or what the deal was. But she has a bunch of butter knives, and she's, like, sharpening them. It's like, well, apparently, the guy who decided to threaten her, she's just not going to take it. No, she does not want anybody to find out that she had to collaborate. Well, not just that. I mean, the way he threatened her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was not going to be just blackmail, I don't think. No, no, I don't think so. Especially when he decides to go by Caleb when Caleb is out in the, kind of like the outdoor church, which reminded me very much of Van Helsing. Right. So I don't know if... This is a thing. I've never been at camp. They have like little outside churches kind of like this. But what's his name? Luke? Is that the guy that we figured out that was threatening right. Hannah? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was Luke. And he was kind of a jerk to Caleb, too. Oh, absolutely. When he asked Caleb, like, why do you hide that? You should let everybody know who you are and what you did because that's awesome. And, he, you know, Caleb's all like, uh, no, it's not. Just get right. away from me. And Luke is just a jerk about everything. Yes, he is. <laughs> and I think what it, what got Caleb, like, what's going on, when all of a sudden Luke's like, oh, have you seen Hannah? Right. Okay, first of all, she has not talked to you. She doesn't know you. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, where's she at? I just need to talk to her. Yeah, first, you sound creepy. Yeah. And second, I don't think Caleb's buying her crap. No. So I think that's what kind of turned him on to watching Hannah. Yeah. And, of course, we see Hannah kind of watching Luke. And she managed to get those butter knives all sharpened up and taped together. Yeah, somehow. that was an impressive knife she had. It, it was. I don't know how many were together, but she was not messing around. No, she was going to cut him up big time. And when Caleb dopped her and he's like, "Uh, no, this ain't happening. Right. This will cause more trouble than it's worth. And that's, of course, when she flips out. Right. And she's like, you should just kill me. He's looking at her like, what the hell are you talking about, lady? (laughs) He's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're nuts. And, you know, she, of course, spills everything. Right. Because you didn't know if Luke had said something to Caleb or not. I was assuming no. Just because Luke seemed like the type that wanted any information to himself so he could hold on to power. Right. Right, absolutely. He was going to hold on to that until he needed it to gain an advantage somewhere. And the power would have only been over Hannah, but I don't think he cared because he seemed like that kind of creeper. Yeah, absolutely. And when she has to tell Caleb, yeah, I helped Apex. I I collaborated with them a couple times. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know what you do. But I had to do what I had to do because they cut off my father's hand in front of me 
and they right. were going to take his head. Didn't she say that? Yeah, I think like, so. like, whoa. Yeah. So it wasn't like she was doing it her own free will. No. Which I think this is what kind of got to Caleb, because he's like, we all did what we had to do to survive. So, right. okay, he was this alpha Zulu that hunted down collaborators, but maybe he didn't know that they were being forced into it like Hannah was. So that's what I took from it. Right. Because then... Yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that both Caleb and Hannah ended up having to do things that they regretted, and it wasn't them, but to survive, that's what they had to do. Right. And I felt like this happened... Like it, it reinforced my thinking because Caleb goes to talk to Luke and when Luke's like, Oh, hey, what are you doing in my cabin? He's like, You need to not touch Hannah. Because yeah. he even he got pissed. He's like, Did he lay hands on you? Yeah. Because I think that would have been like the the thing that pushed Caleb over. Right. Absolutely it would have. Because I think that may have had some something to do with their daughter as well. Oh, yeah, because he didn't exactly say it. I just assumed that she had died from the disease. Right. Yeah, we don't know for sure. Now I'm thinking. It's like, hmm, what other little clues has have been said? I don't know. I'll have to think on that. Yeah. Anyway, I was saying, you know, Caleb goes to tell Luke, you're not going to touch her. You're not going to screw with her. And he's like, do you know who she is? Do you know what they did? And of course, Caleb's like, yeah, she told me everything. And Luke was pissed. Yes. And he's like, they killed my they killed his family yeah. and on and on and on. You know, yes, everybody that survived has got stories of the bad things Apex did to them. We realize that. But you guys have definitely got to learn to be able to deal with some of the horrible things that people that did survive had to do to survive. Right. Sure doesn't sound like Luke went through any horrible trauma, so he must have had some money and power back there that allowed him to be so uh un- smug flummoxed <laughs> yeah and and when he's like who made you king he's like i did he's like oh yeah, okay then king. and i thought luke was gonna really try something right and then caleb just had him like in a headlock he's like i can do it i've lost count how many people i've taken out do you want me to add one more yeah and i think that's what kind of finally, finally put it into Luke's head, like, oh, crap. All right, I better back off of this one. Right. But, Willie, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like he's not going to let it go, but no, he'll sit on it for a while and stay clear. Yeah, I think he'll probably stay clear of Hannah so Caleb doesn't go after him, but I think he'll turn around and start spreading stories about hannah to the other survivors oh you think so oh absolutely Mm. if he gets enough people on his side then he's back in power no matter what caleb does well i don't know i guess we'll see and then we find out caleb is the one who found the phone yeah i don't know if this is good or bad because caleb ends up calling marshall because that's the only phone number in there and of course nobody knows the damn phone numbers no and it just ends with you know, Caleb, like, who is this? Like, yeah. Obviously somebody who met Hannah and somebody who's hoping to try to get her out of there, but... Right, but they don't know. And <laughs> Caleb has no clue that Hannah actually got out of camp for a while and met somebody. Right. So, of course, he is damn curious about who would be sending a phone in for Hannah. Who possibly could be on the outside that knows anything about Hannah. Right. And I'm surprised that he even was able to figure out how to use it because we're talking 150 years. I'm sure there weren't phones back up in the well, future. Well, they're probably like very that. different. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. There's so much that they threw at us. It was just crazy. I'm loving it though. Oh yeah, they are definitely keeping us on our toes and on the edge of our seats with each and every episode. Yes. So, Steve, what kind of feedback do we have this week? Well, we have some audio feedback from our friend Fred from the Netherlands. So, let's give it a listen. Hello, Sean, Terry, and Steve. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Crossing, Episode 4. Terry and Steve, it's good to hear you back. I really miss the interaction with the two of you. 
for the SeaWorld podcast, an Orphan Black podcast you did together with Corey from Australia. Nice getting to know you as well, Sean. After Orphan Black was finished as a series in August 2017, after five seasons of each 10 episodes, I sent an email uh, in December Seaward Crew with the text, Hey, Seaward Crew, surviving the post-Orphan Black world, I'm starting to miss three of you. Any new podcasting projects? Question mark. And Terry's, uh, Terry responded with, Hey, Fred. Uh, all of us say uh, a huge hi right back to you. Yes, we are still going through our Orphan Black withdrawal here. As for podcasts, at least Steve and I and Sean, Fangirl S, uh, who we work with on a Doctor Who podcast, are going to be joining forces next year. The podcast will appear on Sean's Fangirl Zone podcast network and will be for the show called The Crossing. Thanks so much for thinking of us. Regards, Terry. And here we are. Furthermore, I want to thank Terry for supporting a petition about getting a fifth season for the series The Librarians, especially since he is not watching that show at all. He wrote on Facebook, Fandoms gotta, G-O-T-T-A, support each other. Okay, going through the crossing. First up, I have a few remarks about your discussion on the episode 3 podcast. I will give my feedback on episode 4 together with 5, because I have already seen 5 as well, and I don't want to spoiler people who are listening, just podcast. You were discussing how it could be that the second group, time travelers, landed up in the water, uh, in the water at Thorn Beach. You were discussing that it could be that in the future this place has no water at all anymore. I think the tech, or whatever they use for time travel, is just unprecise. I did some research on the town of Port Canaan, which does not exist. There is a very nice article by Jack uh, O'Keefe about this, entitled Is Port Canaan or Oregon a real town? The article also addresses the filming locations of the crossing in general. I posted a link for, uh, to this article on the Fangirl Zone Facebook page at www.facebook.com and then slash fgzone. Furthermore, I looked into the city of uh, Mytolius, where Hannah is coming from. She talks about this with Marshall at the Harbor Fest. Marshall says, so uh, where are you from anyway? And Hannah says, um, uh, it's called Mytolius. And Marshall, yeah? I want river rafting out there once. There is like 12 people in that town. Hannah is responding with, it's growing. This is an uh, existing village about 125 miles southeast of Portland and east of Salem. And Marshall is probably right with this like 12 people in that village because it's, and if you look at Google Maps, about 20 streets. Last subject I want to touch upon is Hannah's locket. She has a photograph of the adult Marshall in it. In episode one, Caleb's birth year is 150 years into the future, Agent MRN says. At the beginning of episode 2, the year is 2187 is shown. Reese finds Leah as baby. So we are talking about about 170 years into the future when they left. The average human generation is 30 years. So 170 divided by 13 is 5.6, 5.6 generations. Question is, is Marshall somebody, just somebody Hannah should trust? Or is Marshall Hannah's ancestor? Roman said on Twitter that Marshall could be Hannah's grandfather, and you responded with that it should be great-grandfather. 5.6 generations, Marshall could be at least Hannah's great-great-great-grandfather, and that are quite some generations to give this picture from one to the next. Last remark, they took DNA from the 47 survivors. What are they going to do with that? As a geneticist, I would say, look for ancestors in the population. If you find these, this could be a way to confirm the story that they are from the future. So far, they didn't do anything with that DNA. Greetings, all the best, Fred. Well, thank you, Fred. I'm glad that you're enjoying talking to or listening to us and us talking and uh, getting to know me. I appreciate that. Yes, and uh, seeing that you were a big Orphan Black fan, uh, Sean, let him know what uh, Orphan Black podcast you did. 
Oh God, you're gonna make me remember that number. It's gonna kill me. I actually did it over on the Nerd Element. It was three two four B twenty one, an orphan black podcast. Uh, I had a pause because I always screw up the number. I had a great time, and then Steve, we did a roundtable a couple times, so you can always check us out there. And I hope there's some of these other shows that you're able to watch that maybe you know you like. I, I know sci-fi is specific to the U.S., but a lot of these shows end up on various channels overseas. I do want to talk to you really quick. Librarians. Steve and I have watched that. We had way, way back. Did a recap, I think, of season one. And then we we ended up leaving that particular network, so we never ended up finishing. But I do hope they keep going because it's been a really great show. Yes, it has. And if you really like it, Dean Devlin, who, of course, was the EP there, just has a new movie coming out with Mr. David Tennant, who I absolutely adore. Bad Samaritan, who I went to see last night, and let me tell you, totally different way to look at him. And seriously, with Dean Devlin and Love the Librarians, this is like a whole 180. It is so creepy and dark and psychological thriller, but it's awesome. I highly recommend that if you are into that sort of thing. We do want to thank you for posting that article uh, yes. on our Facebook page. And uh, I think we were pretty much in agreement at, with you that... You know, the time travel device didn't really have a really great way to put them somewhere, but we were kind of throwing everything at the wall and hope something stuck to it. Somebody agreed with some (laughs) idea or another. But yeah, location not precise. I completely agree. And I'm glad you did the math with Marshall to figure out who maybe he might be. But I don't know. I'm still, I still don't know who he might be. Maybe he's not even related to Hannah. That's possible. I did go back and look at the generations, and I was thinking more as ages instead of the generations. Mm-hmm. But he is right that it should be five generations. But his grandson, who would know him pretty well, you would think, most of the time, would have ended up being Hannah's great-great-grandfather. Oh, okay. And seeing that yeah, okay, my see parents are alive and... I have grandchildren that are now, you know, one of them is five, so she would be able to recall them and hearing things that they would say that it is possible that Hannah's great-great-grandfather is the one who filled her in about Marshall, and and that may be the connection there. Well, hopefully we're going to get some more, and we hope everybody else is like going to start doing what friends do and send us some more feedback, but... Thank you, Fred. You are like doing awesome research for us. And I appreciate that, especially when he posts photos too of people that we missed that were crossovers from Killjoys. It wasn't just one, it was three. I feel foolish. But thank you for posting that because I'm like facepalm. How could I forget that many people? Right. So yes, thank you very much, Fred, and keep up the great work. And as far as some of the locations, if I remember correctly, I have heard that some of the town shots are from Steveston, which is also the home for Once Upon a Time. Oh, nice. So you may want to check that out if you're into Once Upon a Time. Thank you. So, of course, again, thanks everybody for tweeting with us. And like I said, I will stay off 47 Survivors so you don't confuse <laughs> me and Steve because we are very different. <laughs> Steve, you had a lot more people answering you, though, though than I think that I did, because I got so engrossed, I stopped tweeting. <laughs> yeah. I think if you'd have kept tweeting, you probably would have gotten I know. a lot more I answers. I just, like, start watching, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Sometimes it's it, really hard. Yes, it is. Some of the shows we're doing right now are just so deep, it's hard to keep throwing tweets out there. Right. You don't want to miss anything. So we, we did have some great ones that answered us. So Ether Saga, Harriet, Winter Lake, like I said, Stephen Otten, Michelle McKeever, who's been with us yes. for a lot of shows. Thank you, Michelle. Yes, she has. She answers <laughs> so many times with us. It's awesome. Beth Rasmus and I am Market Harris, which he is, he's, oh my gosh, who is he? He's the one playing Caleb. I'm like, why am I blinking? He was yeah. answering us. <laughs> And I think that's awesome. So thank you. Yes. Of course. So yeah, thank you guys. I can't say this enough because it's so awesome when you guys talk with us because then 
we know that we're not just talking to each other, basically. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. All right, Steve, why don't you tell them where they can find us since I screw this up more times than not? All right. Of course, on the Twitter machine, we're at 47Survivors. On Facebook, we're at FGZone. On Instagram, we're at the Fangirl Zone Podcast. And if you want to shoot us an email, you can send it to contact us at thefangirlzone.com. There's a nice big link on that page that'll, all you gotta do is click it and do a little typey typey and send it in. Yeah, it makes it really easy. Especially since I screw up telling you guys where it is half the time. But we'll <laughs> happily talk to you, answer your questions, read your emails, send you prizes out of our little prize packs that I have. Because I have a whole giant box full of stuff. I like giving stuff away. So yes. send us questions and theories. And then if you want to join us on an episode in the future, let us know. Because apparently fans all over because I started to hashtag or like at. The Crossing. Right. Man, they're everywhere. Yes. I'm like, this is amazing because it's like the Crossing fans and it's like Brazil and Australia and UK. It's awesome that they're everywhere. And I love when we have this like, you know, all over because it brings us so much closer together. Yes, it does. Cheesy saying that. Okay. (laughs) So. So please review and rate us on iTunes with and any other uh, podcatchers you happen to be using. With good ratings and reviews, it helps other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends, this is an awesome, awesome show, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast. Again, we're sad we're missing Terry this week, but I'm sure he'll be back next week with us. And for this episode of The Crossing, I'm Sean fangirl And I'm Steve. I think you can meet someone better than Reese, you know, as a girlfriend. She didn't even know we needed fishing poles. And until next time.